Greetings and welcome to the MTG Profits Podcast. Your podcast all about Magic the Gathering news, uh, buy and sell recommendations, as well as product reviews. We're here. We, we're here to focus on really the the finance of Magic the Gathering and give you our our critical reviews of it and uh, you know our other pleasant commentary as well. Uh, my name is Andy, and as as always, I'm here with my co-host Evan. Hey, everybody. Getting started on another week here. Another week here, more magic. I guess always as a reminder, you know, look, uh, visit us at uh, mpgprofits.com. Uh, look for us on YouTube, too. We need to, to get on that and get some, some more YouTube stuff going on there. But, I'm, surprised uh, our, I'm surprised the viewage is so low there. I would I would have thought that would have been a larger audience, but I guess maybe the podcast nature doesn't lend itself well to... Uh, I guess a video oriented platform. Yeah, probably not not so much. So, but, uh, but, but yeah, yeah it's out there. It's juicy. Is there. It's juicy. It's like a steak on the grill for summer. Come on, go get it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, so yeah, we're here for uh, another week. Um, That's right. We'll have, we have a, a holiday coming up. I'm not sure uh, what we'll be doing for the holiday. I know you've got some plans. I I don't really have too much plans yet. Yeah, nothing really. Uh, it's kind of up in the air, really. You know. I know we typically try to record on uh, on a Monday, so that's uh, uh, I guess uh, some of the inner workings of our operation. So we'll see how that'll affect <laughs> our. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll definitely have something for you, one way or the other. Exactly. Don't worry about that. You can, you know. Have your uh, cookout and uh, you know listen, listen to, to this magic too. Process at the same time. <laughs> exactly. You can well, take it all in, all that goodness. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh goodness. Excellent. So uh, lately, it's been um, sort of a newsy time. So I guess maybe you'll start start with the news. Yeah, you know, always always a couple things in the news here. Uh, I guess first off, you know, we're always following uh, Arena and things that are going on with Magic Arena. As you know, that's the the online, the new online uh, Magic the Gathering uh, play platform. I guess um, all free. Uh, every month or so, they put out an update to Arena, and they've announced that the new May 2019 uh, update, uh, which will be coming, uh, it's not actually in, I think it actually comes at the end of May or early June, uh, but that's coming out soon. Uh, so there'll be a couple new changes with that. Obviously, War of the Sparks already been released on uh, Arena, so you can check that out and draft and, and get some of those cards. Uh, but they're bringing a, a couple new things now. So they want to enhance the storyline and, and the story of Magic, uh, particularly about the plane of Ravnica and the Planeswalkers. So there's going right. to be uh, this this event series called War of the Spark Chronicles, where they're going to highlight one of those moments in the War of the Spark story, which, uh, as we mentioned before, and we'll, I'll make sure to put the link back on the site that the is atrocious and uh i actually saw the the war of the spark story uh well i don't remember the actual full name of it the, the actual book the, the bookstore uh, the yeah, other day yeah 20 percent off <laughs> <laughs> apparently it's truly awful i don't know if you uh 
I don't know if you saw that one video. I watched some of it, yeah. The first few minutes tell you all you need to know about how terrible it is. Oh. It sounds like their writing skills and or publication capabilities have not improved since way back when the books were really awful, when they used to come with fat packs. Yeah, yeah. I remember they were some terrible books. So oh, bad. That's horrible. So apparently they still suck. And you'd think they would be so much better, but they seem to be very bad at storytelling. Really <laughs> bad, really bad. But <laughs> so you uh, can tell that you can play as a story. <laughs> you know, I will say, like, even though their their books have been terrible and they're, you know, even I still I would say I allowed the approach or the attempt at least to try to. Uh, get players interested in the story. I, I think, yeah. like, because honestly, as a as a long time player, you know, historically, I have had I very little uh, either desire or interest in the story at all in any way. Like, I have almost known nothing of the story or the lore or any of that BS, other than some of the ancient stuff, like. Yeah. Back, way back, like when I st- first started playing, like mm-hmm. you know, like way way back, like revised and all this kind of stuff. That was when I paid attention to some of the characters. But honestly, since like for years now, I have had zero interest in the story aspect of yeah. that. So I, I think maybe it's not a bad idea for them to try to uh, enhance players' interest in the story component, but yeah. they just need to stop making crappy stories. So, you know, you know that that would be a good way to start. Exactly. So I think it's probably a good thing that they're trying to do. It, it certainly doesn't hurt the player base, you know. So I think, unlike a lot of other things Wizards does that are potentially harmful to the player base, at least this is something that is neutral or benign in, in my mind. Yeah, I think this is fine. I mean, it certainly makes sense, I think, on their part to, to push a story that... You know, you get a story, you get interested in the story, you get interested in the characters, you buy more cards, and then you buy some more cards, and then you buy some more cards. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then after that, you buy so. some more cards. And, then... and, you know, I think maybe having some interest in the story might help newer players stick better. Hey, you, know, sure. so, you know, it's like, imagine now, like, see, that's the other thing, too. Like, we look at it through a lens of, long-time players, and back in the day, yeah. you know, when we started, there was, you know, there was no internet, there was no, you know, there was no buying and selling of cards, there was no market, it was all just, yeah. you know, trading, and, you know, and, and it, there were really very limited other games out there, there was nothing out there. Sure, sure. <clears throat> you know, it was, this was it, you know, and then I remember there was like, you know, Vampire, it was like Jihad, Vampire. Oh, Vampire yeah, I remember that, and yeah. There was another game by like White Wolf Publishing that was, I can't remember what that was, but, um, but uh, there were very, very limited options. So it was like there was pretty much magic, and that was that was it. That's pretty much. But, it. You know, now it's a different environment. I mean, there are games a plenty. You know, so they may not all be great, but there are many of them. You know, yeah, so, exactly. I mean, now you've got, you know, I guess what are the biggies? There's Magic. So, there's uh, Pokemon. Still big. Pokemon right? still big. Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh. Is still big. Uh, uh, I don't understand some of that, but. But uh, but in any event, there are, you know, there's like Force of Will, which is very similar to Magic. There's, yep. you know, there's online games like like Hearthstone that is very competitive, you know, co- after the same, after the sure. same dollars, after the same people, you know. Yep. And uh, so now there is, um, 
a plethora of games to choose from. And, Lots of options. And you're competing with uh, digital games, like on, on, like computer games, you know, yep. Xbox, you know, all this sort yep. of stuff. Absolutely. So not only are they competing against other tabletop and other card games, but they're also competing against d- electronic games. So, yeah, you think how could you compete against that? <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I don't know. I think it's you know again it back in the, back in the day, you know, games were not as awesome. You know, you you'd play a game mm-hmm. for a little while and you would have had your fill. But now, I could imagine if I was a kid nowadays, the quality of these at home games. They're like better than what we used to go to an arcade for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you'd go to an arcade back in the day, and you were like, "These graphics are awesome." Yeah. Street Fighter. Oh my God. You know, and it was like compared to you know the 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 Commodore sixty four you know that you were playing with at home, you're like, "Holy cow!" Eight bit Nintendo. These graphics are pretty awesome. Yeah. But they still couldn't quite match like the in in arcade experience. No. But now, now your in-home experience like surpasses anything else that you yep. could you could acquire. You Absolutely. Know? So I think it's got to be tough for a, for a card game or any board game or tabletop game to compete with that, especially in, in like an, a digital format where it's like it's almost like playing a bot match. Yeah. You yeah. know. So. So I I don't know I I don't know so I you know I I think any attempt to bring in more players is beneficial and I I think if they want to do it with story development fine I think they should do it with um, player rewards I think that would be even better yeah absolutely um, you know we don't make the decision and I I think uh, well all the other correct me if I'm wrong all the other um, free I think they're all basically free all the what was it like Magic 2010 I think and some of the other uh, magic the digital games that they had out, they all had a, uh, a storyline or quest component, didn't they? Or at least some of them did. Um, gosh, I'm not even sure. You mean all these, the other, or, or the pre pre arena things? That yeah, came the pre arena um, ones. There was God, what were they called? Of oh, Duel of the Planeswalkers, Duel I believe the Planeswalkers. they were called. Um, yeah, I think they. I, I thought yeah. they at least some of them had some quests that you actually had to go on, and you were. You know, you fought with your deck through. Yeah, you. It was kind of a, a ladder yeah. of stuff, but exactly, they did have like a ladder, a ladder match situation. So yeah, which told a little story because then you you jumped to this plane and then you found this out and then you jumped to the other plane and yep. fought zombies there and whatever. Yeah, so I think they have some experience implementing story development on a digital platform, so I think it's fine for them to continue to do so. Yeah, I think that that's good. So we're we're gonna have this the storyline. I'm and, also, uh, if I understand, free to play totally doesn't cost yeah. you any any gold or any gems, and you yeah. get uh, those stained glass ga- uh, reward cards. Yes, the new stained glass planeswalker card style. So you, we saw those in the uh, some of those teaser trailer for uh, War of the Spark. That's uh, right. Which I'm not a huge fan of, but I'll take I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, I'm not gonna go out of my way, you know, a whole lot for that. So it's just not my art preference. Uh, I don't care much for the stained glass art style. But I, I don't know. I, I see. I feel like lately the art's been somewhat generic, anyway. You know. Yeah, I agree with that. It, it seems very. You know, it's such a strange thing, and I don't know if you not feel this way. <laughs> I think we've, we've talked a little bit about it before, but not not much. You know, historically, like going way back, the art seemed. Kind of, kind of, 
now and this kind of ugly. Weak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you know, going way back, you know, I never quite understood where people would say things like, "Oh, I saw people playing this game, and the artwork was so amazing, it drew me right in." Yeah. Like I never thought that when back in the day, like when I was playing revised cards, and you know, yeah. like, I never thought like this art's banging. You know, like I, I never really felt that way. I never really understood that. that uh, I guess that mentality, that, but it yeah. was apparently a relatively common one. Not not my taste, but but then uh, over time. Like the art did evolve and develop Absolutely. into a way that became what I would consider superior, yeah. and it became much better. It became more clearly yep. drawn. The um, the you know they and but, but strangely they like devolved. It's now now like in my estimation the art seems like way more generic and bland, but yeah. still has fine details. It's almost as if like like now I. I could look a, I could look at a, a table full of cards and not exactly know what it is I'm looking at from the artwork. Whereas yeah. I would say historically, up until I would say up until like I would say like around the return to Ravnica time, like up mm-hmm. until that time, I could look across the table and know exactly what I was facing, or look down yeah. at my my board and know exactly what I had in play. But now I look across the table and I'm like, wait, what are those cards? I'm like, it's like the art somehow has become very generic and yeah. non nondescript in a way that I don't even know quite what I'm looking at. And I, and I can't even pinpoint why that is. I don't know if the art has gotten too busy or the frame is like not big enough or it's almost as if the art is zoomed out more. Like, yeah. like I, I feel like the imagery is like zoomed out, so you can't see faces, you can't see details very well, uh, and and thereby it loses some of its, I guess, distinguishability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I think we are seeing a lot more zoomed out art. I think, like you said, it 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 has a a strange kind of kind of blandness to it, like. It's like we want it to be cool and detailed, but not exciting or provocative. Like it, it, it you know, it, it also has seems to be a lot more duller colors to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. There's just something about it. It, it, it definitely has a more generic appeal, and it, it, the the art doesn't seem to pop like it used to. Yeah, I'd agree yeah. with that. Uh, I mean, yeah. overall, it, it just seems. I don't know. It's just the, the styling. It's, it's is, funny. It's hard to pinpoint because, like, it seems like it's well drawn. It seems like it's well done art. It just seems very bland and not distinguishable. And that's a relatively new phenomenon for me. So it hasn't always been that way. Even with this, like, I would call it like I would sort of like categorize magic as, into like old art and new art. Yeah. And old art, I would say, is like you know. I would say 10th edition and below, you know, and like more of that hand-drawn style. Yeah. Like not super awesome in my opinion. No. And I would say like after that would be like the art renaissance time, you know, and um, uh, like starting to get good, like especially around like maybe Zendikar time was good, Mm -hmm. like, you know, the Shards of Alara time, things of that nature seem to be, you know, like good art, like Mm -hmm. more what I appreciate, but also still easily distinguished. So, sure. 
and now it seems like we have like well drawn art that is leaves no lasting impression. So, yeah, I, that's I'm not. My opinion. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. And even just taking a, a, a quick look at, I'm just looking through these uh, Ravnica Allegiance cards, and you know they, and maybe this is just the style guide or whatever that they follow. Like the backgrounds are very dull. Uh, it's definitely a muted kind of grays and and dark greens and blues. And then the foreground, you know, the central image, you know, there there is a central image, but even it is somewhat like shadowy or it's, it's somewhat shadowy. It's somewhat, I'd almost say a little grainy, almost like a, a little, a little undetailed. Um, you know, you look at like the Axbane beast, you know, he looks kind of just like a beast. I mean, he doesn't like really have any, any noticeable details or anything on him. Like nothing, uh, just nothing special. Yeah, it's just it's just not very I, I don't know compelling. Although I will say like Burn Bright for example, I like that, and that's a very that's a close up shot of you know this tattooed uh, warrior's face. Yeah, presumably see, it's like, a girl. <laughs> yeah, we almost need. Yeah, presumably a girl. Exactly. We almost need like it's funny they've almost needed to go. It's like all or nothing, like super in your face. Or just not good art at all. Like, yeah. and I almost think that's like almost too in your face. Like, it doesn't need to be that intense. Mm-hmm. Like, the face doesn't have to take up the whole frame. But I do think like facial characteristics are important for art, I guess, impact. You know, yeah. like yeah. these generic elf warriors. Like, damn, they all look the freaking same. I mean, mm-hmm. y- you know, it's like, good lord, these things look the same. And, like, that's what I mean. Like, when I look across the table, like, I have to kind of really pay attention. I'm like, wait, what is that yeah, card? Like, yeah. And that, that seems to me a relatively new phenomenon that has not always been the case for Magic, which is saying something, because now the card frames are larger than they used to be. Yes, the card frames have. used to be smaller, and you could still know exactly what you were facing across the table. The mm-hmm. art took center stage, the background took minimal, uh, yep. of minimal import. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they've kind of gone the other way now. It's like the cityscape is really important, and the the, the human in the foreground is unimportant. And yeah. be, because of that, it's like way harder to distinguish. But yeah, a lot um, of these seem very bland. Maybe that's the, the word I'm looking for. Uh, yeah. It's just not very. I don't know. Just not very interesting. Not very uh, provoking. I. I mean, there, of course, there there are some good ones in there. Some some ones that I do like. Um, I, I like uh, the uh, the Tessa Karloff. I think she looks good. It's a nice kind of shot of her uh, staring out the window, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I almost feel they could have zoomed in a little bit more on that one, too. Maybe a little more of a zoom yeah. on her. But, uh, you know, overall, I think she, her little armor looks good. And she, she yeah. has a kind of regal look to her. But, uh, Some of them they get right, but it seems like a lot they get wrong. Exactly. Uh, I guess that is what it is. And I, I guess to go back to like what you were saying earlier, I mean, you know, back when, you know, kind of we got into it around revised and that, you know, like you said, there there wasn't really that much else. So, you know, there was any other art to compare it to or other games to compare it to. So by... Uh, being the the only player. <laughs> yeah, when you're the only game in town, you didn't have to have awesome art. So yeah. You just needed a good game. So Yeah. So maybe that would drew some people to it or helped. I don't know. Yeah, who knows. 
But um, so, uh, yeah, so so yes, so, so stay glass art. Yep. We'll be seeing that. Uh, no fees for that. Um, there's going to be. Let's see. We're gonna have. Uh, they're gonna do the Mythic Champion qualifier. For basically all of us, you don't have to worry about that unless you are actually qualified, which means you were in the top 1,000. Um, then you can go on to do some, some further competition. Uh, for the rest of us, we don't have to worry about any of that. Um, that's going to be going on uh, the 25th, I believe. Yes, May 25th. Okay. Um, they're changing the best of three match clock. Um uh, so you'll have 30 minutes uh, for a total of 60 minutes per match. Blah blah blah. There's going to be a basic land filter, so you can filter out your basic lands and and choose what what lands lands what you art, want individually. What art you want on the yeah? Yep. Like if you like all the same, which you know I, I could you know what I could see some people wanting all the same land. I, I could see aesthetically like just having a big pile of land. You want them all to be the same, you know. Yeah. Although less important in online, more important in real life. Like I, I could see if you want all your islands to look the same. Yeah. You know, but eh, you know, it's maybe not my thing, but I could see how you might like that. I, I yeah, I guess I could see. You know, but I, I guess my overall feel on all all of this uh, is I, I really doesn't really do anything for me. You know, it's like why don't they work on coming up with better matchmaking and a friend list before they worry about these t these ridiculous aesthetics? Exactly. Like, let me know when my friends are online, please, so that I can play them. Let me find other friends. Let me add people to my friends list so that I can develop an online group of people to play with, so that it feels less like a bot match and more like I'm playing other humans. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Because really, the the primary, I guess, gripe I have with it is it feels very bot-matchy. You know? Yeah. I have no real interaction with these other people. I have nope. no I have no way to type to them. There's no, nope. like, smack talk or, or even, like, or even, like, basic things. Like, you can't even say, like, sorry. Like, if you, like, if you, yeah. if you sit there and accidentally, like, um... Like let like let the clock go down inadvertently, mm -hmm. like not realizing it was your turn. You yep. end up having to say like "oops" or something. You can't even say like "my bad." Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm like, what the hell? Why do they not even have like yeah. this kind of interactability? It's like they're afraid to allow any interaction because they know that magic is full of trolls, and they're like, oh god, we can't let them interact with each other. Good god, that'll blow up the system. You know exactly, like, exactly. It is an interactive game. Give the players the ability to interact. For God's sake, give them a way to find other people that they might want to interact with. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, it, I mean, heck, you could even go, uh, like, what, like StarCraft and, like, millions of other games where you have lobbies. You have lobbies for different kinds of games. Oh, this is the modern lobby or whatever. Yes, for God's sake. You know, you have so much to do. Don't Don't worry about all this, you know... Clock, uh, match clock, or basic land Pointless filters. aesthetics, aesthetics, yeah. You know, yeah. None of this is actually doing anything for the the, the raw game itself. You know, uh, fix some of those things and make them better. Don't worry about all making stained glass art. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I I really feel they still need to work really hard on the interface in a way that allows better interaction among the players, so that you can produce desired interactions in the future. You know, I mean, 
it's like online gaming 101. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. These are some of the base things. And all of your other digital competitors have these things. Mm-hmm. Like, get with the program. And, yeah. you know, guess what? You're going to have to take the the bad with the good. You know, but, you're going to have people yeah. who are going to say nasty things. You know, that's just but how you it know is. What? That's how it is on the Internet, and people understand that. I mean, hell, that's how it is in real life. You know, you yep. play against some of these crazy, like, rules lawyer players or, you know, just these guys that are just crazy douches. You know, it's like it happens. It's a it's a it's an unfortunately large populate percentage of your population. This is how a lot of these people act. So yep. you still really need to you can't stop them from being fools. So you have to at least let them have a little bit of an outlet, I think. In order Absolutely. to make your game the best that it can be. Exactly. So. Exactly. You know, yeah, 20% may ruin it, but for the other 80%, you know, it's it, it'll be make great. it a better experience. Exactly. So, yep. you know, it's like they're trying to police by not allowing you to do mm-hmm. anything. You know, it's kind of like. It's kind of like the it's it's like the Cuba mentality. Have you ever heard like the ridiculous figures where like the Cuban government says like oh you know ninety eight percent of our of our population is literate you know we have the highest literacy in the world you know <laughs> and um and and that's like one of their you know that that it's funny like that'll they'll always say that about Cuba and they'll always say about how awesome Cuba's healthcare is but it's hmm. funny because you'll hear about like the literacy rate in Cuba. It's awesome if 98% of your people are literate. However, it doesn't matter if they're not allowed to read what they want. So (laughs) it's kind of funny because, like, you know, that's the the argument. You know, it's like we're all, like, super literate in in Cuba. We don't have anything, but we can all read. We are not allowed to read what we want to read because the government controls what we are allowed to read. But at least we can. And that's the kind of mentality that Wizard seems to take with their game. They're Mm -hmm. like, we're going to be, like, the thought police. We're going to let you do what we think you should do. We're going to let us, you think how we think you can, is appropriate for you to think. And if you, if you vary from that, we're going to drop the hammer on you. Yeah. So they'll, they'll, you know, they'll punish certain people. Or, and then for the rest of us, you know, they won't you know, per, punish per se, but they just won't allow the capability to interact. So, mm-hmm. so it, it like essentially neuters some of the... the some of what makes the game more compelling than another video game, say. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I think that's just a strange thing. It's like the Watsi and their, their their sort of thought police mentality. Yeah, it is a weird uh, state of affairs on like, that one. You're a business. Make the best game you can possibly make. It'll sell well, and people are going to love it. You can't worry about the trolls. You, you have to no. let the community deal with the trolls. You know, it's like... When you play these games and you come across these 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 d bags, you just mute them and move on. You know exactly, exactly. Like, you know this is how it works in every other game. This is how it works in every game. Like you've played like League of Legends before and all yeah. these other games, oh, yeah. and it's like all the toxicity is like so heavy. You know what? It's like we're all used to this. You just mute it, and move on. You know exactly, exactly. Yep. So to assume that your gaming community won't understand how to do that is you know, it, it, it places zero faith in them. So I, yeah. But I almost think it's more than that. I almost think they intentionally don't want to have the interactability. I think they, they almost don't want to allow for it. So it's just, 
which also like I don't know I think is m- maybe more problematic deep down, but mm-hmm. that is what it is. Yeah, that is a bigger issue. <laughs> sort of, yeah, exactly. But um, yeah. What so other news see. have we got so here? So we got uh, the banned and restricted announcements. That just happened uh, today, actually. For, yeah, yeah, that's right. For Popper, Blue has well, been dominating Popper as for quite some time, ever since, um, well, forever, <laughs> it yeah. seems to me. And uh, so they've uh, decided to remove essentially cards that have zero casting cost. So, yes. Which I so, think is probably a good idea. Yes. Yes, so we're removing Gush, uh, the Gataxian Probe. I have a whole bunch of those, but I guess they're <sighs> useless Un- now. Unfortunate. No. <laughs> uh, and Days. Yep. Uh, I had a bunch of Dazes, actually. Uh, so I'm sure they're going to tank tomorrow. <laughs> yep, <laughs> so. these guys are all done for. Yep, toilet time for their value. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. uh, unfortunate there. That is unfortunate. Let's see what um, I wonder the the pricing on these poor poor cards here. I'm I don't think they've there. been. Uh, let's see the Gataxian Probe. Let's see about dollar seventy one. Let's see at its high point it was probably up uh, to about four bucks. Yeah, or so. four bucks. Yeah. So yeah, these guys are gonna just start dropping. Bite it. Yeah. Maybe not not as much for Gush. They they are older. They have not been reprinted, except for specialty sets like uh, dual decks or whatever. But um, but their value is definitely going to be hammered. So unfortunately, those are no longer sell targets. So. Yeah, I'd say uh, just put these away because uh, store them up. So. Yeah. There is uh, one card that uh, maybe many people may have a lot of and. Um, it may. It's it's uh, one of my and this is sort of a well. You know what? This is. Did you want to talk a little bit about some modern horizons and? Yeah, let's, let's talk about to, that too. Because um, I, I had um, sort of a one of my picks is sort of associated with changes to the. So I guess um, I guess we should talk a little bit about the modern horizons. Yeah, let's let's talk full, about the uh, modern horizons. So um, full it's, hype mode already. Yeah, on the full hype mode. You know, it seems like we were all in on uh, War of the Spark, and that was the big hotness. And oh my God, War, it's gonna be awesome! All planeswalkers, that's amazing. And yeah. now we've, we're already over that because it was it was <laughs> that like was so uh, last week, dude. It was so last week. It was like. Uh, Gosh, uh, I, I can think of some in, uh, inappropriate uh, uh, comparisons, but like, <laughs> like it, it, it was over in, in te- ten seconds flat, and uh, you know now we're already on to uh, Modern Horizons, the next big new product from Wizards, yes. and which train just, continues. It continues yeah. on the uh, just to, to the recap on that is it's a, it's a new modern legal set. Uh, the skipping standard is going to feature 249 new to modern cards, uh, and that's coming out June 14th. So new to modern means two different things. It means essentially cards that are uh, never have never been printed before and are quote-unquote too powerful for standard, so they want to just print them into modern. Yep. And in addition to that, cards that have been printed but never been printed in a modern legal set. So new to modern basically means that it could be either too old or never before printed. Yep. So 
it's um that's kind of where we're going with that. And uh, the spoilers have started. They have started this week, and uh, you could go online to wherever. And uh, Wizards itself, they have their card previews, and you can look and, and see the listing so far. Um, Some of the uh, the high 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 dollar ones are the um, the Flusterstorm is one of them, yep. which I think might be a buy a box promo as well. I'm not exactly sure with that, but um, that's uh, the high dollar one there. Yep, and, Buster um, Storm's a big one. We've got some new Planeswalkers that will be coming out. Uh, the only one we know of so far is uh, Sarah the Benevolent. Yep, yep, looks good. Looks good. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we'll see more and more, you know, as the days go on here. Uh, more more things you need to buy here. Yep. Um, the other, uh, I think, big big uh, news about that uh it's just kind of surprising, although we we have mentioned it before. Uh, some of the lands that re- were revealed were snow-covered yeah, lands. That's right. So we have snow-covered of each of the, the basic types. So snow-covered forest, island, mountain, plains, and swamp. In full art as well. And full art, yes. So that's kind it of interesting. pretty good. Yeah. So I guess the $64,000 question Andy and I were, were wondering is, are these going to be reprinted because snow will matter again, or... Are they just reprinting them to get them into people's hands for um, uh, cold snap cards that are that are uh, modern legal? So I actually am thinking the latter, not the former. I actually don't think they're going to specifically print snow-covered stuff. I think they're trying to get these things into players' hands and bulk up the value of the packs a little bit. So, because all of these okay. things are like a buck, right? I want to say all the snow covers are a minimum of a dollar now. And, are you um, talking the old ones? Or the, the old ones, yeah. Yes, the, the old, old ones, ones are actually creeping up, yeah. Yeah, they have been for some time. It's been a little bit of a gripe for people that uh, need them. So I, I think they're using these to, to, to buffer the value of these packs, because the packs, I want to say, they're a funny mid-tier price. They're not the normal $4 pack. The three, you know, they're not the normal $4 booster pack, nor are they the $10, yeah. you know, master's booster pack. They are $7. So wow, $7. It's, it's a weird mid-tier price. Um, and it's funny because there is no MSRP anymore, okay? So we yes, we got rid of that. that. So uh, this is sort of a funny um, mid-tier price point, and that's the estimation of the price point based on the new... Uh, sale to wholesale or uh, sale to distributors uh, pricing model. So uh, whereas a standard booster box typically costs a distributor, I want to say in the 70s, a modern or a master's typically, I want to say 180. So I believe these are 140. So the something of that nature, 128 to 140. So uh, the expected MSRP, I believe, is six ninety nine for these. Although I shouldn't say MSRP, the expected booster prop, booster price. pack sale price. So um, six ninety nine. So, gosh. You know they had to do something to um, something to bulk up the value of these because so far there haven't been anything that's mind bogglingly expensive, and um, and we know from their recent endeavors that they're really stingy with their reprint equity and yep. reprinting the high-dollar cards in the master sets. You know, yep. the Jaces, the Tarmogoyfs, the, the um, oh gosh, the uh, that one Caverns thing. You know, all these 
all these $40 and up cards are typically saved for um, uh, master sets. And yeah. we all know that master sets will return. They'll yep. just call them something else. So, sure. so they don't want to print the cream of the crop, you know, the, yeah. the, the Snappies, the Lilianas. They've got to reserve those for other things. But they need to pack something into these packs to, to bulk up their, their uh, aftermarket value a little bit to make you less aggravated at the $6 booster pack price. So. Yeah, gosh, that's that's a little too high of a price point for me. I don't know. You know, I, I don't, I, I do not anticipate myself buying any of these boxes. Certainly not upon release. These are not a master's product. They are not limited in print run. They are print to demand. They will be available for a year. So there is no rush to buy any of these cards, yeah. and certainly not the booster boxes. So take your sweet time on these. <laughs> um, do not feel an urge to buy them quickly, and certainly do not feel an urge to buy them at MSRP. I hope that I keep saying MSRP. I need to stop doing that. Yeah. You know, the, I should say expected pack price. EPP. EPP. Uh, EPP. But um, and I hope the 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 price of these crashes hard. I hope they burn to the ground so Wizards doesn't do this BS again. And, and try with a mid-tier pricing model. You know, I feel that I'm afraid of these booster packs creeping up. And I want to say, like, early on in our podcast, we kind of predicted this. And, yeah. and it's unfortunately coming to fruition. I want to say, like, way back during episode, like, you know, 10 or something, job. I think I yeah. talked about that, where I was like, I'm afraid with the new digital format, you know, that they're going to try to increase the price on the physical format. And this does appear to be their um their approach so they yeah. they know that we'll buy the most expensive stuff that they can spit out and we'll buy it on mass yep. so now they're trying to um keep that bar raised but not have to reprint their best equity you know sure so, sure so take your time on this one fellas yeah um, yeah don't 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 rush in don't don't feel compelled to pay big dollars for these you have got time on these yeah, so, which uh, brings me to my pick because one of my picks uh, is from one the, thing before you jump yeah. into there, just a quick, you talk about snow covered lands. Yeah, the old snow covered lands range anywhere from a dollar to three dollars. Yeah, that's a mess. The mountain being the more expen- the most expensive. Okay, so that that makes some sense to bulk up the price of a booster pack a little bit. If you get a, a full art snow covered land instead of a regular land, you're going to be like, oh, cool, there's a dollar. I just opened yeah. a dollar. You know, yeah. so it gives you a little bit of, uh, I guess, price insulation, you know, or a cost cushion, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So, but it doesn't make any sense for them to print something that doesn't have snows matter. So I, maybe they will have some, some snow matter stuff in here. I guess that we'll have to wait and see on that. It'll be curious. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what they come up with. Yeah. But uh, I do like um, my 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 pick for the my pick for the week is a little bit okay. premature because uh, oh, we have okay. not seen these cards yet. But um, this is a card that uh, I really like a lot because it's um it's never been printed. It's one of these never been printed in modern before. Yeah, but it's a great card and it's not expensive. And if you can get them, you know, if you're if you are Johnny on the spot, you could do this pretty promptly. 
because uh, I do think this will go up in price because, again, it's never been available in, in modern. But the Goblin Matron is getting a reprint into uh, modern. Yep, yeah, it is. The Goblin Matron is an older card, like 7th edition, yeah. say, like Portal 3 Kingdoms or something. Like uh, Old cards, never printed in a modern uh, card backing, except for uh, like dual decks, but dual decks are not modern legal. So, um, so like Elves versus Goblins has it, stuff like that. But that doesn't really count. So this is the first time that it's been printed into modern, and thereby it drags all the other versions of it into modern legal. And um, these cards are about seventy-five cents. And for those of you who've never seen the Goblin Matron, because it's a bit old, bit older, it's um, it's a three mana one-one Goblin. It says, when Goblin Matron enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a Goblin card. Reveal it and put it into your hand. So it's a tutor for anything that says goblin. And um, that counts any goblin creature. That also counts any goblin spell. So that sort of harkens back to some of the Ooh. tribal sorceries, tribal instants. Yeah. So you could sort of tutor up a, a, a tut- uh, you could tutor up that goblin shock. I forget what it's called. but um, There's a couple, I think. There's a couple. Yeah. I want to say, I'm not sure about the goblin grenade. That one may just say sorcery. I don't know if it says tribal sorcery goblin on it anywhere. But um, but it, it's a, sorcery, it, yeah. it helps a lot with the, the toolboxiness of um, normally you want to throw goblins out, throw them out, throw them out, throw them out. But sometimes you might want to pull that goblin chain whirler when they've got a bunch of 1-1 elves on the field. Or, yep. you know, sometime you might want to get the, um, oh, what's the guy that's three mana that gives them all plus one, plus oh, and haste. There's a, there's a couple of goblins like from Zendikar that do that. It's like, yep. give all your creatures plus one, plus oh, and haste. And uh, so it helps you kind of round out your, um, your goblin deck. And um, yeah. so, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's like a, it, it historically is very cheap, but I think it's probably already going up in price. I think it's already up to between 55 and 75 cents, but I actually think it'll go higher. Because um, it, you know, my, I think goblins are a playable tribe in modern. They're not the best, but uh, casuals love goblins. Yeah, know, but, uh, I think goblins are great. They're fun, and uh, they had another reprinting of a, of a goblin that was relatively recently put into modern, and that was the pile driver. Remember all the high yeah. pile driver? Uh, so this could p- tutor to the pile driver who has protection against blue and can't be countered. You know, so yep. uh, it's just helps round out your goblin deck and uh it's an uncommon so if you can snag a bunch of these up i would consider doing so i I think they will probably go up now that their utility has gone up so yeah i think that's a good pick yeah i think they're only in legacy goblins right now these goblin matrons because they're just so old so you know i think they're powerful enough for modern so they're just at the top of that curve though three mana is a lot for a goblin it is a lot for for modern so it, it does top out your curve, but I, th- I still think it's playable. And um, so the Goblin Matron is my pick for the week. So especially if you can get them below, I'd say anywhere, honestly, below, I'd say below a buck, but I'd try to pick them up between 55 and 75. That would be, you know, that would be my pickup price. So. Yeah. You know, and sometimes this is a, an aside, I guess. You know, you, you look at these things like on TCG Player and say, oh, you know, I'll, I'll get this. And you see like, oh, you know, wow, look, at it's 75 cents. Or it's, uh, you know, 99 cents. But I think there's there's two things that are kind of misleading. You know, some of them don't include shipping, and that's like yeah. a little bit extra. Some of them say shipping included, but even if you add it, there's a minimum that you have to purchase. 
There, yes, that is correct. In almost all cases, I want to say TCG players minimum is what is it? Two bucks? It's like two bucks. I think they've ra- they're they're in the process of raising it soon. It's going to be, I believe, four or five. So whoa, yeah. Because honestly, the sellers aren't making any money. They've been griping big time against the TCG player for quite some time. Because a minimum of two to get free shipping, and if you're selling like four cards and you're getting two bucks. You know, and you're like, oh, God, and you're shipping it out, and it's costing you 55 cents just for the stamp alone. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the problem is, I, I, just like everything, it's like when you're a seller, you want to sell 10 to $12 worth of cards in a in a single envelope, you know, ideally. You don't want to sell yeah. $2. $2. $2 is killing you because you're losing the you're losing the cards, you're losing the stamp. Percentage-wise, a 55-cent stamp or whatever on 2 bucks, it's like 28%. And then you know to top it off, TCG player is going to take. What are they going to take? They get a cut. Yeah. So you got to figure. You just sold four cards for a dollar fifteen. Yep. And so you're just taking a bath. So they are going to be raising the purchase price minimum on TCG player. I want to say that should be almost any time. I want to say that's going to hit before summer. Yeah. So I, I guess my my point is just just be cautious of the prices. Exactly. Sometimes they're not all that they seem to be. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Although it's tough because, you know, you have to really just consider what is the value of the card. You can't really, you know, when you're buying it, of course, you take it into consideration. But as a a recommendation, it's hard because we can't really take into a price local, you know, local prices when it comes to shipping and things of that nature. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of factors that rate uh, yeah. work, but um, but you're right. I think that's a, it's a great pick. Go out and get the the Goblin Matron. Yeah, I think it's it's worthy. So. Absolutely. I also, also, as a side note, maybe the Goblin Pile Driver if you can get them cheap, and I don't even know what they're going for, um, but I feel that those two are good together, and they've never been available together in modern. Uh, at any recent time, so um, so I would consider that one as well. So, pile driver, he's going for about a dollar fifty to like two dollars or so, something like that. Well, a little so bit that more, be, yeah. That might be a good pickup as well. So that's uh, so those would be my my sort of picks. All, I'm all in on the goblins, baby. Go all in goblins. <laughs> go go those. <laughs> yeah. So nice. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you had any picks that you wanted to mention this week or or not. I have some other, I guess, EV related news. If if uh, it's move on time. Yeah, it's move on time. Go go for it. Okay. What else you got? So um so basically, I, I kind of have a a um, I guess a continuance of my story from last week. I think I was telling you that I had come across. Uh, an oddity when selling, and um, something that had not never happened to me before. The guy with the two different addresses. Yes, yeah, yeah the multiple addresses. So remember how I said I was I was a little bit reluctant because it was a it was a foreign address. It was an address mm-hmm. to Canada, and the guy had no purchase history in eBay at all, which always sends up red flags to me. I sure. normally don't even check. Honestly, I don't even really check people's like no. history. It, it's I don't typically do that. The the few times when I do that are if I'm selling something of of probably more than $180 of value, I will check their their purchase history. And in weird cases like this when I'm like, "Oh boy, the guy's got two addresses. 
what's his history look like? So I yeah. actually I actually called eBay and um they have they have not a terrible system for contacting them. You have to drive okay. through a couple of menus to get to it. And yeah. uh, like it's not an easy way to contact them, but when you do find their like when you go through their nested part of their website to find the contact the contact us part, there's yeah. a thing where you can put your phone number in and they will call you. So mm-hmm. they will and they'll tell you approximately how long it'll take. So so I put my number in there. They called me about four, I would say four to eight minutes later. Okay. I want to say they called me at like eleven at night because I think I did it after I got off the after I got off the cast last week. Oh wow! So, um, okay. Because it was fresh in my mind, and yeah. I asked them. I was like, "So, what's the deal with this?" You know, I, I said, "I'm worried that this is a fraudulent purchase. Uh, the, sure. the buyer has no no eBay history. He's in Canada, and on also of special note in my selling profile, I have specifically opted out of international shipping, which, by the yeah. way, you should consider doing if you haven't." You, it's actually a setting that you have to modify manually. So, because huh. um, that that happened one time where I had uh, I had to sell. Uh, oof! I was one of the it was the original Nissa from um, well from Magic Origins when she sold for twenty four bucks. I ended up shipping that thing to freaking Malaysia oh. because someone from Malaysia bought it, and that was when I learned that you have to do it when you are. So check on that. <laughs> check okay. your check your selling selling listing to make or so you're selling profile to make sure that you have international shipping unchecked <laughs> so uh, okay <laughs> but uh, I so, sure. so I, I do have that unchecked and uh, so I am not sent I am not set up to set, to ship internationally so that was another reason why I I was a little bit reluctant so when I printed out the shipping label it said you know something something British British Columbia Canada and I was like oh yeah. great Greek what is this and then um and then it showed on the that same slip the um the what do they call it like the invoice you know you you put it in the product you're selling the the packing yeah. slip sure so he paid me it was for some it was like for some force of will sealed product it was uh 59 bucks he paid me but then it also showed that he paid $11 for shipping and a $9 import fee so he paid a total of 81 bucks so okay. I was like, oh wow! And originally I thought the eighty-one bucks was mine, and I was like, ooh, that's weird. And but then I checked my PayPal account, and the amounts didn't match. So the invoice mm. amount didn't match the PayPal amount that I received. I received fifty-seven dollars. So okay. that was the fifty-nine dollars minus the two dollars that PayPal keeps. Yeah. So fifty-seven bucks came into my account. So I called. So I had eBay call me, and I said, what's the deal with this? When I go to print out my shipping label. It wants to ship to like Orem, Kentucky, or something like that. Yeah. And they were like, "Oh, let's look into this." And they said, "Well, the buyer doesn't have any history, and um, so we would recommend you ship the item right away." And <laughs> uh, and I was like, "Ah, oh, good grief!" You know. So basically, they they were giving me a boilerplate answer, sure. and that was exactly what she said. She's like, "I recommend you ship the item right away." And I was like, "Wonderful." And I said, well, "What about you know fraud concerns?" They're like. Yeah. Uh, we're not worried too much about that at this time. And, of course, they're not worried about it because <laughs> sure, why they just they be jack. They always, always, and I don't know if, if, if our listeners have any experience with selling on eBay. They will always jack the seller every single time without question. You will take it in the shorts. So mm-hmm. um, I've got other funny stories to talk about that, but that will be for a different time. So, so I was like, ah. So I said, well, what about this United States address that the eBay uh, shipping label wants to go to? And she's like, let me check on that. And then she's like, oh, she's like, 
this is this is a good sign. She said, this is this is our shipping repository so that people that are international buyers may buy items internationally, but the sellers only have to ship it to a U.S. market. So essentially, Damn. I am shipping to a jobber that then receives the item, which I believe is eBay. Okay. And there is a reference number. They see the reference number, and then they forward it to Canada. So huh. it essentially gives foreign buyers an option to buy all the items they want and not be pro or not be persecuted against because they are foreign shoppers. So oh. I thought that was kind of neat. So it allows foreign buyers okay. to buy anything because the American market is so much more robust than say sure. the Canadian market is. Okay. okay. So um so I did it. I shipped it out and um okay. and uh, I got a I got a message today saying the job center has received the item and it has been forwarded to Canada. So huh. so I thought, oh, okay, great. Because the first thing I saw, it was like, urgent alert about your item. And I was like, wonderful. Already yeah. there's some kind of fraudulent BS. But nope, they said, uh, your item has shipped from our, our service center, to, which is why I think eBay is running that operation. Yeah. So, and then to top it off, yesterday, I did the exact same thing. It was it was it was another one of those exact same scenarios all over again to Canada, the exact same product. It was the exact same force of will product because I have a couple yeah. of them and it was shipping to Quebec and okay. the exact same thing going to the same location in Kentucky with a different reference number on it. So so apparently it is a legit thing. And huh, so if you see a weird scenario where you're trying to sell something and you've got multiple uh, shipping addresses, just allow you just pr follow the eBay process and uh, it, it, it does seem to work. So it was odd, though, that they were both buyers from Canada and, yeah, that and is with, kind of strange. within a week of each other. And I was like, ooh, this is strange. So, yeah. The my thought is that force of will product is harder to get in Canada. Maybe that's the reason. So I don't know. Could be, I guess. I guess uh, markets are somewhat local, and in the U.S., we take certain things for granted. We can get almost anything we want here in the U.S. You know, with a very easy Amazon or eBay or whatever. Boop boop boop. A few clicks on the thing, you got what you want. You know. Yeah. So other markets are not quite as easy as ours. So. So I like it. You know, I I, I like cool. it if it works. So hey, as long as it works and you get your money, hey. exactly, exactly. So I think it's fine. I'll have an update if it goes badly because I will have sent multiple items to these weird addresses. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> watch it be an oh woe is me story in two weeks from now. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to get the update on that. <laughs> Hopefully, there'll be uh, no news on that one. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Funny stuff. So that's about all I've got for the week. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a good place to wrap that's it up. That's on. A good wrap up. Yeah. yeah. But um, as always, I want to point everybody to the website once again, mtgprofits.com, and uh, feel free to check out YouTube. Andy and I are going to be uh, working on getting some more yeah, uh, arena matches there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll do that. Uh, we'll really try and get that done this week. So uh, got some new decks we need to show off and um, new new content. So yeah. And uh, I guess just to uh, to reiterate too, so the buys were uh, Goblin Matron, Goblin Pile Driver. 
Absolutely. Yep. Very good. And as always, may your picks remain profitable. Have a great day. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.